Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognizing the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. Perfect. So one, two, three. Yep, you got me? Yep, no worries. Let's rock. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I talk to fascinating people about what made them who they are today. And I'm super excited today to be joined by someone I listened to from a young age. I remember listening to him on Triple J. He's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Carl, welcome. Oh, so I take it you don't listen to Triple J anymore if you're too old. I, I think I think I'm out of the age demographic now of Triple J. So, what have you switched over to one of the commercial stations listening to greatest hits of the 20s or the 2010s? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I only listen to that exclusively now. No, I'm I'm more of a podcaster now. So I listen to I catch up on everything in podcasts and music and music as well. Yeah. So, so where do you get your music? I get my music through Spotify and and um, and listen to. I, I still sometimes listen when I'm in the car. I do like to listen to the new the new music that's coming through. And what radio station do you tune in then? At the moment, I'm listening to Triple uh, Triple M and uh, Triple R. Right. Okay. So that <laughs> means that you're probably in Melbourne. That means I'm in Melbourne. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and now that we've got that out of the way. <laughs> well, Carl, I like to start the podcast by asking a question that I always say is a simple question, but it's absolutely not. The, the question is, do you think nature or nurture had the greatest impact on who you are today? It depends on who you are. So <clears throat> in general, just looking at uh, nature, on average, 50% of your DNA comes from your mother and 50% from your father, but it varies 80-20 or 20-80. So you can be walking down the street and you'll see a family coming towards you and they all look like the mother or they all look like the father, and you can see which way the 80-20 or the 20-80 has swung. So it varies from person to person. Uh, in my case, uh, it's a mixture of nature, nurture, and incredible amounts of dumb luck and a bit of hard work chucked in. <laughs> so so for you, when, when a lot of people say that they meet someone's parents, they, they suddenly make sense, that person makes sense. Do you think that you were more like your mum or, or your dad? Um. I reckon I got bits of both, uh, inevitably. Um, my father was a journalist writer and I've gone down that pathway. <clears throat> and my mother was a uh, milliner and uh, fashion person. And I've also gone down that pathway, not with clothes, but with creating uh, stuff like books. So I guess both my parents had a creative side and I got that from them. Where did, where did the love of science start for you? Was that, was that encouraged by your parents? Yes, but my parents encouraged everything. Um, I guess it's um, just science is just a, a tool to try and understand the world. It's not a bunch of facts. Um, that's an encyclopedia. So science mm. is a continually evolving process to try and work out how come the sky is blue but not green? <clears throat> and why is grass green but not red? 
You know, these important questions. Yeah. Where, where did the first, uh, I guess, where did the enthusiasm start for you? Was, was there a moment you remember where, where you thought you wanted to learn more about this? Well, on one hand, I do remember asking the question, why is the grass green, not blue, and why is the sky is colour and not another colour? But I also remember at an early age um, going to the Wollongong Library and reading my way through all, all of the fairy tales of the 200 or so countries in the world and discovering similarities and differences. And this is a primary school kid. And then, uh, of course, drifting into the ultimate fairy tales, which is science fiction. And um, I guess uh, science fiction might have had a part of it. I basically read one science fiction book every day of my life from when I was about 16 to when I was about 32 and then I had to stop because then I started studying medicine and the body of knowledge I had to load into my brain was so much I couldn't afford to waste, in inverted commas, a whole hour a day entertaining myself by speed reading a sci-fi book. <laughs> Did you get back into sci-fi? Has that, ever, has that ever come back for you? Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got back into it again now that I've got more time. Uh, away from medicine and the weird thing is with regard to sci-fi in the books it seems to have split into two parts um, straight sci-fi or science fantasy in the media in in, in the movies it's almost all uh, of a single apocalyptic genre um, the future's really bad uh, the rich people run the world and the poor people are stuffed and it rains a lot by the way <laughs> by the way <laughs> <laughs> for, for you now reading, what, what do you like to take in now? Like we were talking about music before. What, what do you like to take in now? What, what, what do you read? What do you listen to? Uh, I catch science fiction stories in the back end of uh, Nature each week. Um, and I read my way through uh, books. But most of my reading is the scientific literature, uh, finding all sorts of weird things there. Like, for example, um, if you look at a tea bag of green tea, you'll find the DNA of 400 different insects. Wow. Uh, with regard to hangovers, we've found five things that are related to hangovers. But the weird thing is, uh, and they are dehydration, uh, acetaldehyde, methanol, congeners, and your own immune system attacking yourself. But no matter how we juggle them, either singly or together, we can't find a correlation between the levels of those and how bad your hangover is, meaning that there's something else going on with your hangover that we don't yet understand, even in 2023. And finally, with regard to um, superbugs that are resistant to antibiotics like MRSA, we've found a new antibiotic, wait for it, in the DNA of a Neanderthal dead 49,000 years. Wow. When, when you say that, that something is not yet known, does that excite you in, in science, that something, some answers are still left, left un, unanswered and, and that people are still figuring everything out? Oh, God, yeah. Most of science is uh, at the boundaries uh, with stuff we don't know. So just in something as boring as the sky at night in the universe, um, we only can see uh, a few percent of the universe in, in form of atoms. About 25% is dark matter, which we're very confident exists, but we have no idea what it is. And another uh, 40, sorry, 70% is dark energy. And we've got very, very confident it exists, no idea what it is. And there's other big mysteries like um, black holes, uh, what's on the other side of them. And of course, there's the missing eight dimensions of the universe, which were there at the Big Bang and went away. I think probably the first one to get solved 
will be dark matter. So by the end of this century, I'm very confident that people will say, hey, Jacinda, stop playing with the dark matter and come in and have lunch. <laughs> For you, is there an area that still excites you in in science? Is it, is it space? What, what, what do you think is the most exciting thing that you love learning about? All of them. We've just, just discovered um, uh, a weird alloy that is the um, toughest material known. Um, and when you start dealing with metals, there's different words, like there's strongest, which refers to ultimate tensile strength. So if you get a cylinder of metal and pull on it, how much uh, weight or force do you have to put on it to pull it apart? And then there's hardness and... Uh, that means resistant to deformation and diamond is up there near the top and then there's toughness which is how much you can bend it before it splits um, so these are all properties and we just discovered a new material that is the toughest known material even at very low temperatures so it'd be ideal for spacecraft so uh, geology biology every all, all fields of knowledge excite me birds when when you were when you were studying when you were going to start medicine was that always the dream for you when you were growing up did you always want to get into medicine or were there other avenues that you wanted to go down um, I've had uh, sixteen years of university education because back then the Australian taxpayer thought that education was a worthwhile investment in the future they don't do that anymore so I've got degree although uh, for anybody listening you can get a free university education in the English language in many countries in Europe. And Denmark looks really good because not only do they give you a free education up to any university level you want, but or trade, but they'll also give you money to rent a place and to buy a bicycle and more money to uh, buy food because they see education anywhere as a worthwhile investment. Mm. In my case, I've got a degree in mathematics and physics, which is really good because it gives you a good toolbox for looking at the universe, which covers everything from biology to geology and everything. Uh, and knowing what the basic uh, forces are. And then I did a master's degree in biomedical engineering when for Fred Hollows I designed and built a machine to pick up electrical signals off the human retina to diagnose certain types of eye disease. And I love engineering because you um, disturb the universe, you change something from this to that. And I've got uh, two degrees in medicine and in surgery. Uh, I've worked as a doctor in a kids' hospital also have uh, in Sydney, but also have several non-degree years of study in computer science and astrophysics and electrical engineering and philosophy just around me off. So medicine was just the latest one on the pathway. How did you, how did you pivot to actually start, start presenting and start talking to people about, about this instead of you know, just, just going into a regular, regular job in medicine? Well, I always liked um, the stuff that science tells you, which is you know, quite amazing. Like it was amazing... Um, reading that uh, way back in 1973, the insurance companies could see global warming and increase the premiums because of the extreme weather events. Really? Who were they talking to to get this information? The scientists? It was quite... Yeah. Oh, right. And, and uh, hang on, wait a second, wait a second. Let me rephrase that. Who, the answer is, who are they talking to? Their own accountants. You see, they were, wow. they were insuring people against flood and heat and so forth, and they could see an upkick. In 1973, Munich Re, the world's largest reinsurance company, could see it back then. And in fact, wow. the fossil fuel companies did some of the best research into climate change um, in, uh, up till about 1990. 
uh, and actually did things to try to slow down climate change. And then in 1990, we don't know why, they chucked a UE and started telling lies, like big tobacco, and they've been telling lies for a third of a century and funding it with a um, billion dollars a year, up to a billion dollars a year of um, lies. And the weird thing is um, the, the fossil fuel companies get subsidies. Um, now, uh, related to the world military budget, how much do you think um, the fossil fuel companies get as a subsidy every year? I imagine it's very, very, very low. No, they, they get four times as much. Four times as much? Yeah, so the... That's shocking. So all the countries in the world put together, you add up all their GDPs, it comes to about $85 trillion. Wow. And of that, the fossil fuel companies get as direct and indirect subsidies every year... Um, 5.9 trillion, which is about 8% of the world GDP. Uh, the military budget is, um, that's four times the world military budget for all the world put together and five wow. times Australia's GDP and 85 times more than we spend on space. And that's on top of the massive profits that they make. And so when the head of Exxon left, um, just as a going away package, they gave him 0.4 of a billion dollars. Wow. Uh, so they're ripping us off and doing bad things. Do you find it hard to talk to people and educate people about? Is it about climate change? Have you have you met with much resistance at all? With yeah, people yeah, who just don't want to know. Uh, hmm. um, I, I get uh, various cyber barrages on my various media uh, that I go into uh, Twitter, which is D R K R L, and uh, sorry, Doctor D O C T O R K A R L, and also on um, what's the other one, uh, TikTok, which is D O C. No, that's D R K A R L. So I get these cyber barrages from barrages from time to time. Uh, people who say things like. Oh, look, Carl, uh, I've really followed your work and admired you for a long time, but now I think you've gone mad with climate change. Um, and firstly, they misspell my name. <laughs> and then secondly, uh, I've been writing stories on climate change since 1981. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a new thing for you at all. No, no, no. It was interesting seeing the big change. So uh, back in the early days, I actually wrote an article in 19... 19- 90, I think it was, for the Murdoch Press about climate change coming. And that was just as the fossil fuel companies were getting into spending massive amounts of money denying it. Why has it taken so long for people to start a conversation about climate change more, more widely? A billion dollars a year of lies from uh, the fossil fuel companies. You get a lot of traction with lies. Or, and so I read today in uh, one of the – in the Australian – uh, an article said, look, the trouble with, fossil, with uh, renewables is that you can never have enough renewable generation at, at large scale uh, inside a population centre. Well, I don't see coal-fired power stations in, in the suburbs of capital cities either. And, and this is sort of where the dialogue's going on every possible level. Uh, I'd recommend yeah. reading my book, Dr. Carl's Little Book of Climate Change Science, but also The uh, Climate War by Michael E. Mann, The New Climate War, and also Merchants of Doubt by Naomi Oreskes. And they'll sort of uh, cover the denialism. So uh, how do I deal with them? I just um, listen a lot uh, and see where they're coming from. And, yeah. and, and some, of them, some of the people have been genuinely misinformed uh, through a billion dollars a year of lies. And uh, some of them are 
have an interest in spreading the lies. Mm. Did you did you see Dan Illich, the comedian Dan Illich, with his billboards on uh, climate change at the summit? I think it was last year. I saw on Twitter uh, the billboards yeah. that he did in New York, and I retweeted, reposted them, and pinned them. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great thing for a fundraiser to get awareness out there of you know in a really funny way to actually put those around. But sure. you know, hopefully it started a bit more of a conversation. Well, even with the billion dollars a year that they spend on telling lies, by the way, that billion dollars comes from taxpayers around the world. Um, you've only got about eight to ten percent of the Australian and American populations uh, deeply and truly believe that climate change is not real. Wow! Wow! That's fascinating, though. Like, and and for me, not knowing things like this, you've always kind of been the person that is excited about talking about these sorts of things. Do you do you still every time you teach now and and you know at universities or anything? Do you do you still find it exciting today, every day? Oh God, yes. Well, I mean, I had no idea that we found a new antibiotic in forty nine thousand year old Neanderthal DNA. It's it's so. Every everything I remember listening to you and my my dad's a really big fan of yours and has all your books and is constantly fascinated by you and 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 the way that you put things in a, a really easy to understand way as well. But going back to before when you had the the realization you wanted to do the more presenting side and and getting out there, how did you actually decide that that was something that that you could do and you wanted to not work in a hospital anymore? Ah, well, it happened in two stages. The first stage was that uh, I got into the media and the second stage was that I got into the media full time. So I got into the media accidentally when I failed to become an astronaut. So I wrote a letter to NASA saying I got degrees in engineering and physics and maths and soon I'll have degrees in medicine and surgery. Can I be an astronaut? And he said, uh, oh, I'm pretty fit too. Uh, and they said, uh, look, we're all full up. Uh, I've still got the letter. We're all full up and um, we only employ Americans. See you later. And then I heard that Double J was doing a show related to the launch of the space shuttle. And I went in there and talked about it. And apparently they liked what I did. And then um, after we did the launch, after the space shuttle actually launched, after a few goes, um, we were having a cup of tea out the back. Um, and one of the guys said, one of the producers said, I need this hippie tea to clean my kidneys. I said, look, sorry to disagree with you. But actually, you've got it the wrong way around. It's not that the hippie tea cleans or detoxifies your kidneys, but rather the other way around, that the kidneys remove or filter a quarter of a tonne of blood every day, pull out 1,500 grams of salt at an incredibly high metabolic cost, and then put practically all, all of it back in because uh, evolution and God made a mistake and we're basically fish gone wrong. And he said, we need you for great moments in science. And so I started doing a radio thing in 1981 when I started off doing medicine. And then when I changed over into full-time medicine, that was after the media, a current affair uh, show on Channel 9, started telling or, or giving publicity to lies about um, for, uh, vaccinations. So what we'd had was like a couple of decades where there'd been virtually no deaths from whooping cough mm. and everybody got vaccinated. And the current affair said, well, all the medical people say that you should get vaccinated. That's one opinion. But here's another opinion from uh, Fred on Facebook, who reckons, well, that was before we had Facebook, of course, <laughs> who reckons that vaccines are crazy. You decide. There you are. Two opinions of equal weight. Four centuries of vaccination or a crazy person. You pick. And then the vaccination rate went for whooping cough went down. In fact, my daughter 
had whooping cough as a young adult and had coughing so bad for a couple of months that she would vomit a couple of times a week from the uh, coughing. Wow. And that just did not happen before because yeah. everybody was – We had enough, uh, firstly, the whooping cough vaccine is not particularly good. But if you have enough people vaccinated, it works really well. So it doesn't – particularly good in a sense that it doesn't give you a lot of protection. It gives you some protection. But if a lot of people are vaccinated, then you end up with virtually no whooping cough in the society. And it was the death of a baby at the kids' hospital uh, that was entirely preventable and caused only by a current affair giving publicity. And why did a current affair do it? Well, I used to work for commercial TV and one of the important things I learned was the important thing about TV is not the programs, it's the ads. The, 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 the programs don't make money. It's only the ads that make money. The programs are just to get people to watch the ads. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And yeah. they want to sell more dog food. And so my daughter coughed for three week, for three months and vomited a couple of times a week and babies died. In the, in the pandemic quite, you know, that we're still, that we're still going through when, when, you know, we found out about COVID for the first time and, and vaccines, when I, I, I guess my question is, you know, when you talk to people who don't believe in climate change, do you have to be, do you have a different approach to how you talk to people about vaccinations and educating people about that with, with people that don't want to get them? Um, it's their call. Uh, the trouble is that they don't just harm themselves, they harm other people, but it's entirely they, their call as to whether they harm other people. Mm-hmm. So with regard to a current affair, I actually end up speaking to the presenter on a current affair who was really pushing this whole, uh, there's two sides, the vacuum st- of the vaccine story, you decide. And I said, why do you do it? And they said, well, we're just showing both sides of the story. So with uh, the people who don't want to get vaccinated, um, they've been lied to. Uh, yeah. And it's not their fault. Um, I've discovered an interesting, uh, in my Twitter feed, an interesting four-way Zen diagram overlap. You know about Venn diagrams? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So this is virtually a perfect overlap between people when you look at them. Uh, besides denying that the vaccines work, they, there's also this subset of people who deny the vaccines work, deny that climate change is real, uh, reckon that Russia is just defending itself from Ukraine, and also have got really bad, bad spelling and grammar. Right, okay. Is this, is this the, the small crossover there of, of people in these two? In these two camps? Well, in, in each of the four camps, there's this small... So I look at their Twitter feed before mm. I block them. And, yep. <laughs> they're, oh, and they're also into crypto as well. A right. lot of them are into crypto. <laughs> are you good at shutting people out? Have you gotten better with that over time since you started in the media? Uh, it breaks my heart but uh, to, to block people. But in mm. if they're generally after knowledge, I don't block them. But yep. I look at their Twitter feed and I can see where they're coming from 
and in many cases, they're deliberately trying to clog up my Twitter feed. So sometimes I've blocked 200 people in a morning as a wow. concerted cyber attack. Have you have you found it? Have you found you blocking more people with recently in the in the pandemic times? Have you have you started to block more people? Is it? Is that something you do more often? Well, with the uh, only if they're trying to clog up my Twitter feed with lies. Um, sure. If they want to have a conversation, they're fine. But if they're into the world is actually cooling down um, and the earth is flat, uh, I'm a bit of a magnet <laughs> for conspiracy nutters. Have you heard the yeah. latest one about the um, uh, the firmament? No, I haven't. Oh, that's a good one. It's a sub. It's a religious. It's a highly religious view of the. Um, uh, flat earth. Mm. So it quotes the Bible saying that God created this firmament over the earth, an uh, alabaster dome, which he put some blue carpet on to make blue and then some lights to light it up at night. There, there's no such thing as stars. They're just lights. And the moon is just another light bulb. And this what? firmament is physically 200 kilometres up exactly. I don't know why uh, God decided that he'd put it at a height that in a unit that wasn't invented until the French Revolution in the 1700s, but he went for 200 kilometres. And they say, look at all these videos on YouTube where you can see the rockets rising up and then running into the firmament and exploding. And they're saying, look, exactly, at 200 kilometres, they all blow up. And, and you kind of think to yourself, so all these people who go to build rockets for the first time and try to do so as a business, they didn't look up on YouTube to find out that it's impossible because there's no space because that's God's place above the firmament. And part of this is that there's no such thing as moon landing, weather right. satellites. Uh, you, if you watch the firmament people uh, on their videos, you'll see that they look at uh, people on the International Space Station floating. And I'll say, see that glitch there in the video transmission? That's when they reposition the arm holding them for the SGI to make it look as though they're in zero gravity. Um, so uh, I, I, I feel sorry for them uh, that they've gone down this pathway uh, mm. but um, if they generally want knowledge I'm happy to give it to them but if they're just going to clutter up my Twitter feed and, oh, and often they'll call me insulting names so that's not allowed yeah, <laughs> that's a big no-no. There's a, there's a documentary called, I think it's called Beyond the Curve, which is about the Flat Earth Society where, you know, most of the evidence is just them pointing across a bay at a building and saying you couldn't see that if there was any curvature. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and sometimes they actually tell lies. Like I've had people ring into me on radio stations say I've got a really powerful uh, telephoto lens on my camera and I can look at ships uh, 40 kilometres out to sea and see the water line. Mate, there ain't no such telephoto lens that can do that. Secondly, yep. the earth curves by four and a half metres every seven kilometres. So if you've got a powerful telescope and you're looking at uh, a ship seven kilometres away, the lowest that you can look is four and a half metres above the water line because the rest of it's around the curve of the earth. Mm. But they, they actually say, I've got it. And I said, you've really got it? What, what brand is it? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a really good brand. And, and they're quoting lies to back up their story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a scary world out there. It is a scary world. So I'm glad that you block people and try and protect yourself in that way. Well, it's not to protect 
um, me, I'm, I'm fine. It's to protect the uh, naive people who haven't had the benefits of 60 year, 16 years of university education for free mm. because the Australian government no longer sees education as a worthwhile investment in the future. Fossil fuel subsidies, they're good. Education, nah. <laughs> uh, Carl, I better let you go. You've been more than generous with your with your time. Now, uh, I, I have a list of questions that I usually ask um, on the podcast. We've actually run okay, out of time for me. them. So, are you sure you've, yep, have yep. you got time for a few questions? Yep, here we go. All right. Uh, so, what trait in people do you admire the most and seek out in a person? Um, honesty, integrity, emotional. Uh, Reaching out. This is one interesting thing I've seen about the next generations coming through. Uh, they've got more emotional EQ, you know, connectedness than I right. had when I was growing up. I really admire that. Yeah, that's beautiful. What's your favourite thing about yourself? Um, gee, I don't know. Uh, geez. Uh, bloody not dead, I guess. <laughs> what do you wish you could do better? Oh, everything. Uh, really weak in geology, mate. Uh, yep. Immunology, I suck. Uh, hematology, oh, God. Uh, do, do, I, I want to know more metallurgy. I want to know if stainless steel soap actually works at removing garlic odours. Right. Uh, so everything. I want to be better at everything. <laughs> uh, who influenced you the most? Um, people around me. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, emotionally, uh like I, I don't have a competitive bone in my body and that happened when I was playing tennis uh, with some Maltese fellow students uh, in Wollongong at the school, Christian Brothers, um, the Gat Brothers. And there were two of them and one of me and we used to play tennis on cutthroat, you know, where there's two on one side and one on the other and we'd rotate yeah. around. <laughs> yep. And whenever I was by myself, I'd always cheat <laughs> to say that the ball was in when it was out or vice versa so long as it benefited me. Yeah. And uh, they didn't care. And then one day I came home, I rode home on my bike, and my parents said, how was the game of tennis? And I actually listened to them. And what mm. they said was, how was the game of tennis? And, I didn't, and they didn't ask if I won, they asked how was the game. And I thought about it and I thought, the game was terrific. Mm. It didn't matter whether the score was one number versus another number, the game itself was terrific. And at that mm. moment I stopped cheating in tennis and um, stopped being competitive. There's enough success for everybody. Yeah, I love that. I used to swim competitively and really? I love swimming. Yeah, and I, I love swimming every day now. Just about four times a week I go and just enjoy it and it's one of the nicest things in the world. Um, what, what distance do you swim? I used to do – so I used to do um, 400-metre IM, which is, you know, butterfly backstroke, breaststroke freestyle. Wow. And my stroke was butterfly which is something you can't do in a public pool a lot because it looks, um, it takes up way too much space and you can always hit someone in the face when you're doing it. Sure. Yeah. Um, who do you choose to surround yourself with now? And oh, has that changed? Well, well, over, oh, sorry. So can, what, what sort of, do you do ocean swimming? I do, yeah. So I'm from Phillip Island originally. So I, I love uh, ocean swimming as well. I always find it a bit harder. It's a bit more challenging going against a current. But, yeah. I bloody uh, it's, nearly it's drowned fantastic. seven metres from the shore the other day. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So um, over the, I've been taking my surfer plane, you know, those rubber floaty things, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I call it a short board, but it's not. You know, it's an it's a inflatable you know, surfer plane thing. And uh, 
so the, the there were four days in a row. The, the the first day was just terrific, and I could catch these long waves all the way into the shore. The second day, um, the there were reflections coming off the shore and a bit of a side rip. So the reflection coming back from the shore would hit the incoming with the wave heading towards the shore, and it would stop dead. And so you'd be surfing in on a long wave, and then suddenly you'd drop half a metre. Wow. And then on the third day, for some reason down at Maroubra, the, uh, so, yeah, the uh, lifesavers had positioned the flags immediately around a rip. Oh, no. And it was, and it was, it was also really uh, very deep. And so I, I found myself seven metres offshore having difficulty in getting back onto the – getting back. And I suddenly had an understanding of how people can drown – Mm. And what happens is you're in a rip, you and your kid, and it's a terrible story. You know, the the, the parent goes out, saves the kid, and then drowns. And what happens yeah. is that you get close to the kid, you push the kid towards the land. They get they they then can make it all away. You get pushed out deeper, and mate, you can't get back. What you got to do is swim across. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you're not strong enough to swim across and then eventually come back in that way, then you drown. So it was really um, interesting. Oh wow! A lot, a lot of people fight the rip constantly, and then that's no, what, no. that's you what... just go sideways. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't drown, Carl. Yeah, well, I, I was worried about going sideways because otherwise the uh, lifesavers would yell at me on the intercom for go, you know, the loudspeaker for going outside the flags. But the whole <laughs> yeah. bloody <laughs> it was all the rip. Yeah, they, they gave a funny um, commentary uh, over the holidays. They said, ah. Oh, yeah, there's a bit of a rip, uh, it's a bit of a strong rip. Now, look, uh, look, look. Feel free. Look, don't, don't, you don't have to look after your kids if you don't like them very much. But if you do want your kids to live, look, uh, better come out of the surf. <laughs> uh, who do you choose to surround yourself with now, and has that changed over time? Uh, family, uh, friends, and I'm very lucky to be working in the School of Physics at the University of Sydney, where everybody is smarter than I am, and I learn so much from them. Uh, when are you at your happiest? Um, catching a long wave on my stupid surfer plane. <laughs> when are you at your lowest? Um, I don't get low. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I successfully have managed to delude myself into being a positive and optimistic person. I love that. If you could pinpoint a moment in your life that had the greatest impact on you, what do you think that would be? Um, well, I guess the Gap Brothers were pretty good in uh, uh, teaching me that uh, the actual competition in sometimes is good, but sometimes is meaningless. Yeah. What's the hardest thing you've been through and did it change you? Um, oh, lots of things. Um, disasters in the family, uh, deaths of family, uh, you know, parents, um, bad things happening to family members medically, etc. Um, um, no, nothing, nothing really bad happened to me. I've been lucky. Do you always keep the positivity up? Do you always find that that's something that's just about you? You've always had that positivity? Well, I sort of got it from my father who um, used it to help him get through the uh, concentration camps in World War II. Mm. Um, and in general, a realistic and optimistic attitude will get you further than a pessimistic attitude.
Yeah. But you've got to yeah. be realistic uh, as well. Absolutely. Uh, my final question, Carl, is what gets you going now every day? What motivates you every day to get up and, and do what you do? The fact that I've had a good night's sleep and I'm alive. And uh, yeah. uh, there's a cup of tea uh, made out of bloody real tea, not tea bags. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, currently I'm working on a mix of um, two parts uh, English breakfast and one part um, uh, – not, not Darjeeling, what's the other one? Uh, Earl Grey. I've got to get back right. to Earl Grey, but I've got to get back to Darjeeling. But it's hard to get Darjeeling because out of the 8,000 tonnes of Darjeeling tea, which is the Prince of Teas, out of the mm. 8,000 tonnes that they harvest every year, um, they sell about 45,000. Wow. Really? So that means that about 30-something thousand are fake. Where, where are they coming from? Where's the... Anywhere but not Darjeeling. Darjeeling wow. itself produces only 8,000 tonnes a year. Oh, that's incredible. When sold a lie. Like the, like, um, like the. Yeah, I, I wish I could find a way to get genuine Darjeeling tea because I was actually in Darjeeling and did it the proper way. And oh my God, bloody heaven on a stick. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How do people find you if they want to go to your TikTok, if they want to go to your Instagram or, or, or buy one of your books to learn more? Uh, books. I've done 48 books. Oh, by the way, my two books are called Dr. Carl's Surfing Safari Through Science or Random Road Trip Through Science. They're the world's first books with holograms. Really? Yeah, yeah. You download the modestly named Dr. Carl app onto your phone uh, and then you aim it at the first story, first page of each story um, and then there's a story called Dead Fish Swim and then you aim it there and then suddenly up pops a video of a fish swimming and the weird thing is that fish is dead. It's been dead for a week and it's still swimming even though it's dead. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, get my books. Um, just go to drkarl.com, D-R-K-A-R-L.com. TikTok is D-R-K-A-R-L and Twitter is D-O-C-T-O-R-K-A-R-L. Well, Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Peachy Keen, catch us. Oh, and Triple J, don't forget the radio, the old-fashioned wireless, for those who listen to the non-government radio. <laughs> thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me SamPeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast. Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you've really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.